the very first thing that you need to start with when it comes to delegation is being clear on what you're going to do instead. What are you here to contribute? Why does it matter? Why is it important to you? So that once you know what that is and you've really focused in on your unique contribution, then you start to delegate. Because like I said, we're creating a vacuum of time here through delegation. So that's the number one thing that you should do before you start to delegate is get really clear with yourself. What am I here to do? What do I want to contribute? Welcome to the Simple Brand Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you create simple experiences for your customers and for your team members. Each week, we're bringing you amazing interviews with business leaders and authors who will teach you how to differentiate your business with the one thing your customers need the most, simplicity. Your customers live in a complex world. Let's make it simple. Now, here's your host, Matt Lyles. If you're like me, you've likely made some pretty big goals for 2022. And big goals can be super, super fun. They're usually signals for significant milestones and significant achievements. At the same time, big goals are usually something new that we're adding into our lives. And it's right around the time that you start trying to fit these new goals into your existing schedule and workload that you realize it doesn't all fit. How am I going to do this alongside everything else that needs to happen? How am I going to get it all done? But here's the thing. You can't get it all done. But not only that, if you just focus on trying to get as much done as you can, you will burn yourself out. One of the lessons I teach leaders in simplifying what they do and becoming truly effective in their role is... You should only do those things that only you can do. And everything else should be automated or delegated. When you strip away all the things that you shouldn't be doing, or those things that anyone else can do, and you focus only on those things that you can and should do, your accomplishments become exponentially larger. But it's not easy to strip those things away. And that's why it was such a big help for me to talk with Emily Morgan this week. Emily's a keynote speaker, and she's the head of Delegate Solutions, where they provide virtual executive support services and delegation coaching. And Emily's been featured in Forbes, HuffPost, The New York Times, Inc. Magazine, CNBC, and many other outlets. Emily and I discuss all her lessons on how you can better manage your time and priorities and how you can use the right delegation strategies to free up your time and energy to do more of what you love, more of the work that only you can and should do. So here it is. Here's my interview with Emily Morgan. Hi, Emily. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. So excited to meet you and be here with you today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I have really enjoyed digging into your content and digging into your lessons all around delegating. And when we think about what I preach and what I teach around simplifying your business, delegation is such a huge 
huge part of it. I mean, like <laughs> it really helps leaders to be able to simplify their work if they can find those things that they can delegate to all the right people. So thank you for your lessons. Absolutely. I, I really believe that as visionaries, the world needs us elevated to contribute our most impactful work. And delegation is the number one way you're going to do that. It really is. It really is. And I love that you use the word elevate because mm-hmm. to me, kind of visually speaking, and you know, like we're only here audio, so I'm doing, I'm doing all the hand motions and you can't see <laughs> and nobody else can, but so many of us tend to operate at that five to 10 foot level. And we're in all the weeds and we're in all the admin minutia type details that aren't needle moving activities. And we need to elevate ourselves up to that level to where we can focus on what are the right things for me to be working on right now. Those things that move the needle, those things that elevate the business, those things that fall under the prime directive for me. (laughs) Right. But I think that each individual, no matter their role, is able to better gauge and understand what their prime directive is in their role. And so what they need to do to be able to elevate themselves to that. Yeah. And I just finished writing a book and I know. Congrats. Thank you. The whole first third of the book is a lot to do with why people don't delegate. And you'd be probably a little bit surprised to know that it's got really nothing to do with whether or not you're a good delegator. It's all about the mindset and the clarity that you have as a leader and your ability. And it directly correlates to your ability to actually elevate yourself in a strategic, simple way. So why aren't people delegating? What are those mindsets that are holding them back? (laughs) There's so many. And especially for entrepreneurs, you know, we've spent our careers and I mean, I'm truthfully going through this in my business where I'm elevating and elevating and the team is just kind of forcing me out (laughs) in a good way, forcing me up and out of the business so that I can really kind of see the landscape. And I know there's this book that I read when I first started my business 15 years ago was by Martha Stewart. And she said, you need three tools when you're looking at your business. You need a telescope. So you need to be able to look far ahead. You need a wide angle lens so that you can look side to side and you need a microscope so you can look down and see, you know, deep details. And I think, you know, our ability to get out of the microscopic and up into the wide angle and the telescopic view of the market, the our industry, trends and things like that is really what we're here to do as the visionary leaders of our companies. Oh my goodness. I have never heard that lesson before, (laughs) but that makes absolute sense. And now I want to go read Martha Stewart's book. Mm -hmm. And here we are in mid-October as we're recording as mid-October. And I think mid-October is like Martha Stewart's wheelhouse month, really, (laughs) as far as her decorating that maybe November, like the whole fall season. (laughs) But, But that makes so much sense to have that telescopic view And then that wide angle view, but you need the microscopic view so that you can recognize what are the microscopic things that need to be done and how can they be done by the right people, the right people that aren't you. Right, right. And so as we grow our companies, we find ourselves in the middle of everything, right? And what can start to happen as we're in there is we start to attach our identity to 
feeling really busy, solving all the problems, putting out the fires. <laughs> and we're causing these bottlenecks in our companies because we are hanging on to this identity that we've created for ourselves as being busy equals being productive instead of what I'm here to do is contribute my ideas and my thoughts, not necessarily how busy I am or how many problems I solved today. And that's a really big shift for people to make. It is a big shift. And I think a lot of that comes from the mindset, the viewpoint, the culture that leadership drives. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen so many leaders that will say, hey, I'm going to walk around at 8.30 in the morning to see you know, whose butts are in the seats. Right. Or I'm going to walk in the parking lot to see who's parking here at what time or who's leaving at what time. Or if I walk by somebody's cube, I want to see them. I want to see them working. And a lot of people, a lot of the great work comes from thinking yep. and brainstorming and creativity. It's not something that you can actually see. Right. I think about maybe seven to eight years ago, I went through a lot of self-assessments and personality assessments, and it came out that creativity, innovation, and thinking was one of my key strengths. And I worked with my leadership on this to say, hey, if this is my strength, let's help us figure out a way that, that we can hone this, that we can capitalize on it. And we had to communicate to a lot of people if you walk by Matt's office and you see him staring at the wall, <laughs> if you see him staring up at the ceiling, he's solving more problems in that moment than many other people have solved all week. I even put it on my calendar. I figured out, tested it out. The best day of the week, the best time of that day was Thursday afternoons. That's when my brain was so primed for thinking because it wasn't end of week. It wasn't the first of the week. It was Thursday afternoon. And so I blocked calendar on my time called Thinking Thursdays. Yeah, nice. People could see it on my calendar. They knew not to schedule meetings with me at that time unless they had a problem that they knew I could help them brainstorm through. And I was willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. One of my favorite business coaches said to me, sometimes you just need to go out and stare at trees. And that's really what you're here to contribute. <laughs> and I have to say, I've had some of my best ideas. I have chickens, so I'll be out with them oh. kind of wandering around <laughs> or out for a walk just to have the free space in your mind to think differently is what we're going for. Absolutely. That's one of the behaviors that really helps move the needle. But on the flip side, you say there are five bottleneck behaviors of leaders that can complicate their work, that can jam things up. What are those five behaviors? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we've been working with entrepreneurial leaders for 15 years, and we've identified these are sort of, we've named them because this is what we see from a support standpoint of why leaders get in their own way. The first type is called the hero. And that's really the kind of leader that loves to save the day. And their team is like primed and conditioned. Every decision has to run through you. And I will add one thing. We vacillate through these five types every day, but maybe one will stand out to you as like, yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> There's one of those for me, which I'll get to. Uh oh. Yeah. And like the hero really gets energized by feeling like they need to solve all the issues. And what can happen in a hero tendency is 
when the fires start to go out, you might start to create fires because you really need that adrenaline that excites you to not only solve the fire, put the fire out, but actually create the fire. (laughs) Yes. And that's really a detriment if you're the one creating the fires and you're the one at the top. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I actually identified myself as the hero about eight to 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I realized that it could sometimes be at the detriment to my own work. And so when I would come on to a new team or when I would be working with a new group of people, I would introduce myself with, hey, here's all my skill sets. Here's my tendencies. And I call this superhero syndrome. (laughs) So I suffer from superhero syndrome, meaning I will jump to try and put out fires and solve problems and then jump over here to help solve your problem, sometimes to the detriment of the real project work we're doing or even to my own detriment. And so I would let people know that so that they could recognize and understand if my superhero syndrome was causing a problem and they needed to help talk to me or reel me back in from it. And then recently I started thinking about the hero, the superhero syndrome And I'm not a psychologist, but I'm curious. There are a number of people, well, most everybody, everybody wants to feel significant. Everyone wants to feel valued. So I'm really curious, and you may either say yes or no, or you're not a psychologist either. But (laughs) when we think of the hero mindset, I'm curious if it's where they think I need to feel significant today. I need to feel valued. And I feel valued when I know that I can go out there and save other people. And then they can look at me and say, thank you. Thank you for solving my problem. It's 100% accurate. We're totally on the same page. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's this notorious behavior and it's not exclusive to entrepreneurs, but it is almost any entrepreneur you speak to would identify as a hero. It's just this, like, I think because we start something that we just have such a death grip on it sometimes. And there's a big gap that happens when you start to delegate and you create this vacuum of time. And, you know, one of my bigger points when it comes to delegation is that if you don't know what you're going to spend that time on, delegation is never going to work for you. So to your point about the hero, like the hero has to be able to have a clear vision of what they're here to do, what their contributions should be, and what do they want to spend their time on every day to be able to truly let step out of that type. Yeah. Having their own personal North star or their prime directive. Yep. What are the other behaviors? Yeah. So the second type is the interventionist and that's your classic micromanager These people have developed a need to really stay in the loop all of the time and they create such high standards and then they just like almost start to cocoon themselves because they don't want to see delegation break down. Everything suddenly has to require their participation to keep errors from happening. So it's like almost like they step in and become the quality control officer of their companies. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I see that happen a lot it can put a damper on the culture even. It can help bring a lot of negative energy across the culture when people keep experiencing that. Yep. And your team, there's a learning curve for your team too. And part of one of the solves for the interventionists is just regular meetings. So when you're starting to delegate, you've got your clear picture of what you're going to be doing instead. Because when you hand off five to 10 hours a week of work, what are you going to do instead? (laughs) You can't refill it with more stuff that's not really going to move the needle. So 
having regular meetings with your team, like a, at least a weekly, if not daily or every other day sync is a way to get in front of that. And then you can set up some, some red flag indicators. So almost like how you would have KPIs, right. you could set up some KPIs for delegation. So it's a big project, what things have to be happening by a certain date so that you can feel confident, you know, that if something starts to go off track, you hear about it quickly. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes they can be yellow flags. Like, <laughs> let me know if it looks like this may be an issue a week or two from now. And then a week or two from now, we can check in and find out if it is. And if you've solved the problem by that time, great. Yeah. If not, then we at least know how to tackle it. Exactly. Yeah. So there's like some things you can put in place to protect yourself from that behavior, which it just comes down to communication and who's doing what by when so that you always know as you build trust and confidence. I mean, we go through this process with clients where you really have to start small to build confidence. And that's one of my sort of foundational delegation methodologies. Oh, that's good. Yeah. To be able to build confidence, but then always know that you should never have any surprises. <laughs> well, try to minimize the surprises or make this, you know, make the surprises, not your problem anymore, which is sort of what I've been doing. <laughs> there you go. So we've got the hero, we've got the interventionist. What's next? Next is the isolationist. And so this type really just wants to do everything themselves. Sometimes this type, you've developed like scar tissue over time because delegation broke your heart. Right. <laughs> Times that you probably remember. And you just, you know, innately kind of pull everything back. And what happens when you start to try and delegate when you're an isolationist is you don't have any time because you're too busy doing everything. So you might have an assistant, but you don't have any time to meet with her. So then it just spurs the cycle because the team doesn't have any time to connect with you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's difficult. All right. Now what's the next one? So the next one is the one that I struggle with always, and oh. it's called the time optimist. And the time optimist, you know, we're just overly optimistic about what us and our teams can accomplish in any given time. And so we can like kind of lack restraint when it comes to executing on our best ideas. We can be unrealistic around, you know, how much work our team is dealing with to be able to take on one more thing. So this is definitely the one that I struggle with. Absolutely. And I've struggled with that before myself. Thankfully, I've tried to like do a much better job of calculating the real time involved in tasks mm. because I'll see so many leaders that'll say, this is a minor task, whether it's taking something over to the fax machine to go fax it or taking something and walking one to 200 yards to the mail room to go mail something and then walk back. So we say, okay, it's only a five minute task. <laughs> I can spare five minutes, but what we forget is that if we're in the middle of some good, deep work and we take that interruption, that five-minute interruption, when we try to get back into the work, research shows yep. when you're in the middle of deep work and you get an interruption like that, it takes you a good 15 minutes to fully get back into that work. Yep. So then instead of it being a five-minute task, it's a 20-minute task, but... In that five-minute time period where you're going that 200 yards to the mailroom and back, especially if you're a leader that everybody recognizes and everybody wants to say hi to or talk to, you'll spend at least five minutes, maybe more, having people come talk to you and either share their idea, 
ask a question, ask you to sign something, whatever else. So you've taken what you thought was a five minute task and you've turned it into a 25 to maybe 30 minute task. Exactly. I'm super structured and scheduled, but I think it's easy to be really unrealistic with the resources that we have and what can actually get done. And so when we work with entrepreneurs, one of the ways that we address this, this type and the next type is creating like a parking lot of ideas because what can start to happen when you're working with support resources. So Matt, you mentioned that you are a nine quick start on the Colby A, right? That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Nine quick start means you are cranking out ideas. You know, you got 10 ideas. It's not even breakfast yet. And you know, you want to just jump on all of them. Well, your team is likely a one, two, or three quick start, which means it's like bullets coming at them, right? And they're just like, all they're thinking when you're talking is, okay, now I got to execute this. And all you're doing is saying, I'm just sharing some cool ideas, (laughs) right? So, Well, sometimes I would share those ideas saying, I think we can do this. You know, I really think it can be done. Yeah, we're all guilty of it. And the next type, the dreamer, you know, this is a similar behavior pattern, but the point that I'm trying to make is that our teams are living in execution. We are living in ideation. And so unless we have a really clear process on how you are sharing your ideas with your team, you're going to create tons of friction and overwhelm them and stress them out. Cause all they're going to do is figure out, Oh my God, now I have to figure out how I'm going to get this done. <laughs> And you're just like, oh, that was just my idea from two hours ago. I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> that's, that's right. And just like any strength, any skill set, any tendency, it can be a blessing and a curse. Yep. And ideation is a blessing and a curse. Yep. Did you know that in addition to my podcast and my articles, I speak to audiences all over to help them simplify their customer experience and simplify their employee experience? I've spent the last few years leading a crusade of simplicity across the globe. If you want a winning brand, you have to provide a simple experience to your customers and to your team members. Whether it's a live event or a virtual event, I'd love to partner with you and teach your audience how to do just that. With over a decade in marketing, I know how to hook and captivate an audience. And as a speaker, I know how to connect with that audience. Along with my lessons, I use stories and humor to keep everyone engaged and inspired. Then they leave with the knowledge and next steps to transform their business. As an event planner, you're managing lots of details to give your audience the most memorable event. The last thing you need is a speaker who will make your event memorable for all the wrong reasons. Not only will I leave your audience energized and inspired, I'll make it easy for your team to work with me. Hey, If I've built my brand around simplicity, then you know I'm going to make it simple for you. When you visit mattliles.com slash speaking, you'll find everything you need to know, including details on my topics, promotional materials, and most importantly, a link to connect with my team so we can book your event. So visit mattliles.com slash speaking. I can't wait to help your audience brand out from the crowd. Later in my career, oh, the last three to five years that I was in my career at FedEx, I had someone that worked with me who I'm so grateful for. Her name is Catherine. Not going to share her last name, but Catherine, if you're listening, I'm so forever in your debt, forever (laughs) grateful for you. 
I am an ENFP on the Myers-Briggs scale. And of course, I'm a nine on the Colby. She was an INTJ. That didn't mean that we always clashed. We actually were able to figure out how we could complement each other. And whenever I had big ideas, she was always there to reel me in and keep me grounded and help me understand what was realistic. So I'm so thankful for her. And I would say that every leader should understand people around them and those people that actually complement their tendencies and their skills so that they can have that kind of relationship. Yep. Yeah. And I'm an ISFJ. Is that what you said she was? I think she was an INTJ. I could be wrong on the details, but it was pretty (laughs) close to that. Most admin type people are J's on the Myers-Briggs FYI, in fact. Now, now, now keep in mind, she, she was not an admin. She, she was working with me. And so it was just, a. I mean, she, she was doing significant impactful work, but just based on her style, uh, she knew how to reel me in. Yeah, they Jays love the details. So that's what I'm trying to say. Yes. Yeah. So the fifth type is the dreamer. So we went a little bit into the dreamer and the last uh, time optimist conversation, but dreamers love to talk about their latest and greatest ideas. And where they get hung up is we don't think about the what success looks like. So when we're delegating, we always need to be able to check with ourselves to make sure that what we're handing off actually matters, is actually important to us, and that we actually know what success looks like when we let that thing go. So one of the ways to deal with that is to, you know, stop yourself before you hand something to someone else and just kind of ask yourself, all right, what has to be true when this project or task is completed? And even if it's like very simple stuff, if you get in that habit, that will sort of, you can temper yourself a little bit around just overloading your team with all the bullets flying at them. That's it right there. (laughs) So we say a lot of times, like we'll just say to leaders or we'll say to our people, okay, you just need to delegate more. At that point, that makes it sound easy. But when it comes down to it, it can be pretty daunting to understand, okay, what do I delegate? How do I delegate it? And then you just may go back to saying, okay, this is just taking too much time. I'd rather just go back to doing this myself. So are there any tools, are there any frameworks that can help leaders learn how to delegate? There are so many. I think, you know, my biggest thing that I've unpacked over the last year is that the very first thing that you need to start with when it comes to delegation is being clear on what you're going to do instead. What are you here to contribute? Why does it matter? Why is it important to you? So that once you know what that is and you've really focused in on your unique contribution, then you start to delegate because like I said, we're creating a vacuum of time here through delegation. So that's the number one thing that you should do before you start to delegate is get really clear with yourself. What am I here to do? What do I want to contribute? Yeah. Going back to that, if I were to have a personal North star, a personal prime directive, what would that be? Yeah, exactly. And I have an ebook that will be on the link um, for the podcast today And there's some exercises in there to help you kind of think through what you want to spend your time on. But that's the number one thing that I would recommend is to get really clear with yourself, step out of the office for an afternoon and just kind of sit with yourself and think about what that is. Because once we know what that is, then we can start to pull all the things off of you. So what are some of those things that it does free up leaders to be able to do? Yeah. I mean, it looks different for everyone. I can tell you, like for me, it's about 
coming on podcasts. It's about putting out content that is tied to thought leadership, establishing myself as a thought leader around delegation. It can be about creating a new product line. It can be about building out a vision for the next three years. Like really high level thinking is really what you're there to contribute as the leader of the company. Yeah, I think so. And then something else hit me. I think it was this morning. As a leader, you may have people coming to you asking for coaching, asking for mentorship. Mm -hmm. If you're spending all your time on all these things, then you're not able to do that. You're not able to pour into these future leaders. So I think that's another opportunity as well, even if it's for people that don't report directly to you. And it is still such a huge benefit and a huge significance and impact to your company if you can pour into those future leaders. Oh, I love that. Yeah, 100%. So we've learned that there are exercises that people can do to learn how to be a better delegator. Mm -hmm. But what if someone wanted to truly understand and assess how well of a delegator they are? Are there any tools or assessments or scorecards for that? Yeah, there's um, a scorecard on the landing page that I mentioned to you. It's called our Elevation Success Scorecard. And what it is, is the 10 habits and mindsets that elevated leaders possess. And it's some statements and you kind of pick which statement you align with. And I know you took this. So I don't know if you want to share your score, but <laughs> it'll I did good. take it. I'm a 71. That means that it looks like I'm doing better than average, but I have room for improvement. Exactly. Yeah. And so the 10 on that scorecard is the ideal. That's what we're chasing for. And we're always going to be getting better at. And then what it does is like, you could take that scorecard a few months from now after you've worked on delegation and it helps you build confidence because you can see your progress. It helps you kind of drill into what habit or mindset is kind of holding you back from being an elevated leader. So that's one resource, the scorecard. Uh, I mentioned the ebook. Inside the ebook is an exercise that you can do that helps you lay out how you're spending your time. And from there, we help calculate what it's costing you. So what are you paying yourself to do work that you don't like to do? (laughs) And sort of sitting with that reality and it helps you just segment your time into different buckets where you can easily identify, all right, I know what I want to spend my time on. And these are the things I don't want to spend my time on and start to come up with delegation plans to get those things off your plate. That's it. And I really, really appreciate how you talked about the need to go back and revisit it every three months or so. I think three months is probably a good time frame to be able to see and evaluate how you have changed, if you've changed at all, and to recognize, you know, like, okay, my score has changed here. So that means that I'm doing better. Now that my score has moved up here, what are the things that I can do now over this next quarter to improve it even more? Exactly. And you can have uh, your team take it so they could score how they view working with you. So that's an always interesting way to think about it as well. Wait, okay. So you're saying have the team take it from the mindset of the leader and how they delegate or have the team take yeah. it based on their selves? Based on the leader. Oh, okay. How do they think the leader has scored? And you could see how it compares to how you scored yourself, which could be enlightening. <laughs> as well. But what I love about the scorecard is it takes this big sort of overwhelming problem of delegation or elevating my time and it takes it down to the micro 
where you can really pinpoint, all right, I need to really either double down on this thing that I'm really great at or figure out how I want to solve this thing that I'm not great at. Or how you can delegate that thing that you're not great at. (laughs) (laughs) That is a fantastic idea of having your team take it as well. I am a big proponent of employee surveys on a regular basis and having employees and team members gauge their leadership Mm. and how their leaders can be better at their jobs and how they interact with their employees. I guess if I were looking at this, I would say, I think it's a great idea for leaders to take this and retake it once a quarter and maybe having their team members take it maybe every six to 12 months. What do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, maybe you have, and you're giving me the idea to have some of my management team have their direct reports, do it on them like once a year or something Right. where we, but I think, you know, whatever frequency there's this new book out by Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy called the gap in the game. That's right. Yeah. Which is a strategic coach concept. And I don't want to teach it, but I can share my sort of experience with it, which is that, If we are not careful with acknowledging progress and wins, we will always feel like we're stuck in the gap, right? So we're, we're always chasing a horizon. And so living in the gain is really about acknowledging progress and wins and being really grateful for them. So this is a tool that you can use to acknowledge your progress with delegation. Absolutely. And if you get your team involved, which you should, then there's the other added activity of working with your team to saying, Hey, okay, thanks for evaluating me. That's the first step. Thank you. Thank you for your feedback because your feedback is a gift to me. Now that I've seen that I'm a 71 based on how you've evaluated me, let's meet for a bit and like, let's help me walk through and create an action plan on where and how I can do things better. It's recognizing the team members just that they took the time and the vulnerability to give you that feedback if they didn't just say, yeah, you're a 10 across the whole board. Thanks. Um, And it's bringing them into the process to say, I hear you. I recognize your feedback and I want to validate you and act on that feedback. And here's how I need your help in creating those actions. And then as you revisit, you can share, hey, here are the actions that I've been doing to improve in these areas. Has it worked? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think that creates just a higher level of employee engagement and employee loyalty. Yeah. And I'll take that one step further. So the The last third of my book is all about cascading a culture of delegation through the whole company where everybody is elevating themselves so that what you're creating is a place where you've got people who are empowered doing work that they love, that they're really good at. They're happier in their job because they're doing work that matters to them and they feel the impact of that. So these types of exercises don't need to just be leader specific. Like these are things we can do with our teams to really help elevate them. And there's a lot of dynamics that happen there that are probably a whole other conversation. Of course. But the idea that our teams are elevating alongside us and just the work is cascading deeper and deeper down into the company so that eventually either it's outsourced or automated so that people are really doing work that excites and motivates them. Excellent. Because as you were talking about that, I was being present with you, but also at the same time, I was thinking of other follow-up questions. And so I have to think about if you instill that culture of delegation in your company and you think of the employees, I don't want to say the employees at the bottom, but the employees that don't have direct reports reporting to them, 
are they able to delegate? And you answered that. You answered that by automating Mm -hmm. and by outsourcing. And I think that sometimes I think that they can delegate up as well, because there may be times where someone comes to them and says, hey, here's this work that I need you to do. Or here, can you help with this? And they do that that first time. But I think that they can, in a sense, delegate up by saying, you know, what's going to help make me more effective in helping you is when you delegate to me, if you can provide me this information and this information, and you can provide this resource here. Yep. And, you know, a little caution on this concept. Of course. Because this is definitely a little bit of a radical concept that I'm 100% behind. But, you know, our teams are not used to this and it can scare people. You have to make sure that you're committed to empowering them to do this, giving them the resources to do this, explaining this really well, because a lot of people are really comfortable doing the busy work. They might get scared by something like this. So it's a big communication strategy to roll something like this out. But this is one of the ways that we create a great company culture where you have really happy, empowered, elevated team members contributing in ways you never would have been able to before. That's it. You have to communicate it. You have to communicate it frequently, not just one time. And you have to provide some level of training so that people know all of this and they can go through those exercises like you have in your ebook. They can go through the elevation success scorecard like you have to better understand how they can delegate. It's not as simple as simply saying, you just need to delegate more. Right. In all my work, I've found the issues we have at delegation usually have absolutely nothing to do with delegation (laughs) at all. It's always mental. (laughs) So That's it. And that goes into the mindset piece of that assessment. I was so thrilled to see those questions around Mm -hmm. my mindset because that can be a big barrier that holds us back from being able to delegate. So what if you're a business owner of a smaller company? You simply don't have the employees that you can delegate a lot of these administrative minutia items to. What can those leaders do? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, what my business does, actually. So we provide fractional delegation support. So, you know, you don't have to always think of it as, oh, I can't afford a full-time assistant. Like, hey, you can hire an assistant like we offer for one to two hours a day. So you can kind of baby step your way into delegation. There's also, you know, part-time employees that you could hire. It doesn't always have to be this big commitment to an FTE. That's it. That's it right there. And especially as I've seen some larger companies or companies that are in growth mode, where you can recognize that their leadership needs this support. And I love the term Mm -hmm. that you use, fractional support. I've talked to a number of fractional CMOs lately that help support different companies. If you were to position this to your leadership chain and say, we really need extra administrative support. Can we hire freelancers to come to work a few hours a week? Or can we hire virtual assistants to do this? Leadership (laughs) would say, freelancers, virtual assistants. No, that's not part of our company. But then if you say, we would like to hire fractional support for this. Oh, fractional support? Hmm. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. And I think a little guidance on that decision-making process, when you're looking to outsource something like this, for us, what it comes down to from an admin side is 
who's driving the delegation? Are you going to be identifying all the different things that people are doing? If so, you can probably go with a very affordable resource. You can go overseas. You can pay per task with you know companies online. If you are someone who is like, hey, I don't know what I need to delegate. I don't know how to delegate. <laughs> I need a system and I need someone to guide me through that and help me stay accountable. That's a service like ours. So be really clear with yourself around how involved you want to be in this process when you're looking for a resource. Absolutely right. Because if you get to that point where you say, oh, I need to bring somebody in and you just maybe interview a couple of different companies that provide these services and you hire somebody in, it can fall apart if you don't know exactly what you're doing. And so I think it's really, really helpful that if you're in that situation where you don't know that you do need that consultation or that integration type support to help you design your own delegation system. Yeah, your strategy for what is coming off, how that's going to work. I think there's times and places for all these different types of services, but what we do is consultative delegation support, and we provide fractional EA teams to our clients. I love that. (laughs) Now, so you've got a lot of clients and... Mm -hmm. Of course, we talked about this earlier. So my focus is all around simplicity. How can you provide a simpler experience to your customers and clients? How can you simplify your own business? And you recently went through a process and exercise on how you can simplify both your business and your client experience. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So my team is, we talked about the Colby a little bit and our quick start. My team is is very low on the quick start and very high on the fact finder. So that very first number, my Uh, team is like seven, eight, nine, (laughs) right? And follow through. And so because I have such a high team of fact finders, we had a lot of details, a lot of complexity to just doing business with us. So I did this research project myself. This was one of my things I worked on last quarter was like, how do we make working with us really easy? And part of my process was I looked at how many times and how many people someone had to interact with before work actually started getting done with our clients. And it was something like 15 touches before we even got to do anything. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. You know, like it was just a really kind of, I mean, I showed my whole leadership team, they're like, whoa, because when we start to grow, we have, you know, like silos. And so if, as no one is looking at the whole user experience start to finish, like we started thinking, all right, what do we need to do to simplify just to get you from you're interested in working with us to actually doing business with us? And how do we simplify that process? Excellent. Well, and a lot of it comes from that introspective view and self-awareness because first you have to know, and well, like GI Joe says, knowing is half the battle. (laughs) Exactly. Emily, last question for you. If you were to create a five-song soundtrack for your work, what songs would you include? <laughs> well, we would have to include my favorite band, which is U2. So I very- love U2. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, you, Emily, yes. But I also love the band U2, yes. <laughs> I love The Edge in particular. So let me be clear. I think he's the reason U2 is so fantastic, <sighs> my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So, I think um, the first one obviously is Elevation by U2. So I just picture like Bono belting out those Elevation, you know, like yeah. just keeping that energy around. A mold, digging in a hole. <laughs> exactly. 
So that would be my number one. Um, and then another song by you two, one, I think from frozen, let it go, uh, is a huge part of what we do. <laughs> it is. And it's so fun. Once you do let it go. Um, I would add the Beatles get by with a little help from my friends. I think that that's a really important one. And lastly, um, probably queen under pressure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> love it. Love I it. Love yeah. <laughs> All those things. And if you look at those songs, it kind of takes you a bit on a journey. So if you were to start with queen under pressure and then figure out that you need the help with your friends, and then you look at one, okay, what's that one thing I need to be focusing on. And then now that I've got the help from my friends, I can let it go. And here I am. I'm in elevation mode. Oh my God. That was perfect. elevation success. Oh perfect. my goodness. Emily, I have learned so much from you. This actually felt like this was a Matt Lyles coaching hour. <laughs> I know there's so much more to learn from you. Where can people go to learn more? Yeah, thank you. We set up um, a page just for your podcast. So you would go to delegatesolutions.com slash simple brand. Thank you so much. That is fantastic. And what a simple experience for everybody else, because you can just go right to this one page that you've created. Anyone listening to this episode, all the things we talked about, you can go right there. Oh my goodness, Emily, thank you. And I can't wait for your book to come out. It's coming out this coming spring. Is that right? Yes, this, uh, I turned it in. It's with the editors, then it goes to the publisher. So by April. I should have it in hand. Hooray. And it's called A Culture of Delegation. Oh, wow. I love it. <laughs> I can't wait to get my hands on it. And please, please, I hope you can come back on the show to discuss it when it releases. I would love to. Me too. Emily, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It was great to be with you today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Emily Morgan. So go check out her lessons and resources that she's curated at DelegateSolutions.com slash Simple Brand. Hey, she made a page of resources just for you. Wow, that's pretty cool. And not only that, Emily's also offering you, the Simple Brand Podcast listener, a 10% discount off of their new virtual training course, The Elevation Quarter. I don't think you two is involved, but they totally should be. The Elevation Quarter is a virtual 90-day program where Emily's team guides you and a small cohort of like-minded leaders through a series of delegation lessons, exercises, and resources, all designed to help you find more freedom in your role. All that when you visit DelegateSolutions.com slash SimpleBrand. Thanks, Emily. And if you're enjoying the Simple Brand Podcast, go ahead, hit the subscribe button. It's going to make it so much simpler for you to get future episodes like the next one featuring Joel Bynes. Joel co-leads the global retail practice at the business consulting firm Alex Partners. He's a frequent contributor to major media outlets like NPR, CNBC, The New York Times, and The Wall Street Journal. And He's now officially a published author. Joel's first book comes out next week, The Metail Economy, Six Strategies for Transforming Your Business to Thrive in the Me-Centric Consumer Revolution. In The Metail Economy, Joel explains the new retail industry power shift where the consumers are now in charge. 
but thankfully, he also provides innovative methods for connecting with the me-centric consumer, and he shows you how brands can thrive in this new world. So go ahead and subscribe. You'll automatically get Joel's episode as soon as it's live. Until then, keep it simple. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Simple Brand Podcast. Want to make your listening experience simple and automatically receive each new episode? Visit our website, simplebrandpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you're finding value from the Simple Brand Podcast, leave us a rating or review. That helps us get the show to the ears of the people who need it most. Be sure to catch Matt right here next week. Same Matt time, same Matt channel. Until then, keep it simple.